This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we start this week, Ruth, the return by popular demand of the uh, quirky bit. Popular demand? Well, mildly popular demand. Quirky bit, where we test the uh, levels uh, with a lame joke. So I thought what I'd treat you to is probably my favourite joke of all time. That is a bold claim, because if you don't know, you are old. So you've seen a lot of jokes, you know? I've heard and seen lots and lots of jokes. And my favourite is two monkeys sitting in the bath. And one goes, whoo, 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 and the other one says, put a bit of cold in. <laughs> so they are one of my favourite jokes of all time. Wow. Yeah. Nothing was going to live up to that intro, <laughs> no, though, was I it? Probably so over- I, think- I probably oversold it. Mm. So welcome. This is Ruthie, Uni, Dad and me. I'm Ruthie. And I'm Dad. And this is you. <laughs> and, and you're uh, and you've uh, flown over from uh, York University, where you're studying French and Spanish to be with us. Yeah, you know, what I didn't even realise my actual degree title. I think this year is French, Spanish, and linguistics. Mm. But who knew? I thought I thought I was just doing French and Spanish. Mm. And funnily enough, it makes sense because I did not go to my linguistics lecture this week. You didn't? Why not? Because we were talking about linguistics last week and saying that you're finding it. It's point hard so and dull. <laughs> um, but but uh, this week, you... a lecture captured it. Do you know what lecture capture is? No. It's, it, it changed the game for people who do... People who do subjects like politics or English literature where it's heavy like lecture things, whereas I do one lecture a week, it's mostly seminars. It doesn't really affect me that much. But they film every lecture and you can just watch them online. Oh. So a lot of people barely ever go to lectures because <laughs> there's no need. And you can also speed up. So if you've got a lecturer who speaks really slowly, you can play it on double speed and get through the lecture in half the time. I'm sure they'd be flattered. If they, <laughs> if they were speaking so slowly, you could. Pro- that's probably for a reason, isn't it? It's probably because it's something that's some, no, some of them are just not good orators, mm. I think. Mine, mine are decent. They're fine. I've only, again, I've only got one lecturer, so I won't really know. So what's been going on with you? What's been going on? Had a good week-ish, yeah. Mm. Um, it's weird, because so I'm in my third week of this new term, and the first two weeks were, like, great or whatever. Well, the first week was exam week, but I only had a couple of days of exams, so then it was quite fun just like quite a lot of chilling out or whatever and then second week again it's still that like freshers feeling of oh, like we're back the novelty's still there and stuff and then I felt quite not low but just had a, quite a dip this week I felt and quite um which have not felt in ages home. you should have found us well yeah because I have we- been like missing home actually a bit this week or like it, like missing kind of being at home 
and you guys and then also like friends from home and stuff which is weird because I've not really felt like that in in ages like didn't feel like that at all at the end of the term or anything then didn't feel in the first couple of weeks but I think it's just like the more stuff settles into like actually living there the more kind of like you do have little low moments or whatever Um, and also I think part of it is it was Blue Monday this week which is statistically the saddest day well it's nonsense you think that's nonsense? Uh, yes I think it's a marketing tool I think uh, it's the lowest day because Christmas and everything is finished 3rd January but I think there is something to be said about the 3rd sorry 3rd January 3rd Monday I think there is something to be said in that the third Monday is like, yeah, the new year, that fresh feeling you had of, oh, I'm going to achieve all these things. It's kind of died down and you realise that, in fact, it but will not, be not an ordinary year. The, the actual concept of Blue Monday uh, is invented by marketing companies to try and sell whatever it is they want to sell you on, which probably be Well, for fi- me, I felt very fitness. Blue Monday. Yeah, it'll be, well, you, yeah, but it'll be Blue Tuesday as well and probably Blue Friday. Yeah, this time of the year is, uh, don't forget, for people who are self-employed like myself, you've got your tax coming up, you'll pay your tax by the end of January, Uh, so that's something. Do I have to Uh, pay tax? I'm not not an expert. Um, So far I've never been employed by the HMRC. My main Uh, thing, if one day I get married, if anyone mm. wants to marry me numbers they'll have to be good at numbers because mm. I, I don't want to have to do that there so are he'll have to do yeah, yeah but then I don't want to have to employ an accountant yeah. and I think it's also a thing of when you're at university it's like very much very big highs kind of quite lonely lows or whatever mm. just because but you had your friends your college friends yeah I had some, some yeah that was lovely it was nice I think sometimes you need friends to come and stay or like so my brother's coming to visit on Saturday like not in a big way or anything just to remind you that a world exists outside of the university especially being on a campus which I do think is actually like better for you in general like moving to university and stuff living on campus for the first year but I do kind of think, yeah, you need someone to be like the world exists outside of this little bubble that you've created um, of going to lect- of going to seminars and stuff. Like I- I've spoken to a few of my friends on the phone who do apprenticeships and stuff, and it's nice to hear actually about different lives because it can be a bit insular where you're all mm. going, experiencing like much the same things. And I think that makes you have this like weird FOMO thing as well that is like, oh, what is everyone else doing? Because we're all so in this tightly packed like place or whatever what i've been thinking about is that university is this like insular thing where you're all not not and not to say that i'm not absolutely enjoying it loads which i am this insular thing where you're all talking to each other and planning things together and that kind of thing i was scrolling through twitter and things there's a play that someone wrote and i've never read it but this is a really good line about how we should all get off our phones and i just thought i would read it for you we are suspended from the belly of satellites sculling in space and chatter i'm sorry but sometimes i will go silent because i want to belong to myself for a while i will move out of this instant city charge reality real i don't i won't wave to you from fields of mornings and mists i will just be in them i think one of the things that our generation is really bad at is spending time alone because even when so even when you're on your own, you can be scrolling through mm. things and you're not truly on your own. And then when I've come to university, I'm either... I'm, because I'm with people so often because you're around all your mates and stuff and, like, I'll either be working with course friends or spending time in my, with my flatmates or whatever. There's always someone around. 
you then have very little time alone and even in those times alone you're then also scrolling through your phone and I think that sometimes it can foster this like burnout in university students because you're literally turned on all the time and you don't get to I like the line where it was like I want to belong to myself for a while or whatever I think that was really like I read that and I was like oh yeah when I'm when I'm gonna make a real effort like in the next coming weeks or whatever and I'll tell you about it when I'm on my own to like actually be on my own rather than Well, I ought to tell you, you know, even adults who aren't at university, you don't really get a lot of time to be Mm. on your own, you know, to be actually, I know what you're saying, to actually just just walk to be fully alone. And even like in my alone time, I want to try and do like reading or listening to music. I think listening to music is good Um, rather than like watching stuff on TV or like watching YouTube or something Mm. like that because... I just think that I used to when I was at home, but now I really don't. And I do think it would be healthier to actually yeah. just like zone out, even if it's for like 40 minutes or something. Yeah. I don't think it needs to be a long time. I'm quite the social person anyway, but I think it would be quite good. Well, good luck with that. And do let us know how it goes. Um, you were telling me before about things like pole dancing, which is meant to be... Cheerleading, in, in I would pa- like. Yeah, well, cheerleading, cheerleading and, and pole, pole dancing. dancing. Yeah. Now, these two things are meant to be... They've sort of changed in a way. Yeah, they were originally things... So pole dancing was like a kind of form of stripping in a mm. lot of ways. And, and yeah, was, yeah, absolutely. And cheerleading. It was a, it was a performance for, for men, generally. Yeah. And also um, cheerleading. And also cheerleading to cheer on. But now, male football, yes. male football teams but in America. But now they've been sort of reversed. But now they've as, been a bit reclaimed as empowering things. But as, you're as not, many you're things not are. It. I'm not a hundred percent buying it, but right. So I understand the draw of them a lot, and so because there's a pole dance, pole fitness, it's mm. called pole fitness because mm, it is different that they run at the uni, which I've been like tempted to go to ever because it is an like incredible form of fitness. You do get really fit and. Mm. A lot of like girls who do it say it's like just so much fun because it's all girls a lot of times. It's just that that environment is really fun and it's exercise that doesn't feel like exercise too much. And so, you know, I can see, I can absolutely see the appeal and see how it would make you feel good or whatever. And but, the same thing with but, cheerleading, difficult sport, but looks really fun. Pom-poms look great. But, but yeah. there's a part of me that does just think... Is it actually empowering or is it still just kind of demeaning? And it's the same, it it brought me back to when we discussed ring girls and I don't ever want to be someone who's like so feminist that they're like, oh, ring girls or podium, uh, not podium girls, the ones at Formula One, I've forgotten what they're called. Yeah, they're called uh, grid girls. Grid girls, yeah. Uh, And also the darts, they're more sort of podium girls. Yeah, that kind of thing. I don't want to ever be one of those people who's like, my feminism doesn't include any of that. Like, I, I think that's too by the book and it's it's just too much. Like, with the cheerleading, they say, you know, it's a physical, it's a sport, it's physical, and they do competitions for it. How You know, it's not just about... No, it's very it's not just in about America, it's massive yeah. in America. They, yeah. they do competitions of it. It's not just about the cheering on of the, the sports teams. A lot of times it's that that is the sport. But it still is what it is. Do you know what I mean? It is mm. this thing that... 
It's not. It's it's not got quite the sleazy reputation that it used to have, because no. I know when your uh, when one of your sisters, uh, a long long time ago, it was a sort of early days of the early ish days of the internet. One of your sisters got watched a film. There's a famous film, isn't it? Bring that, it actually? on. Yeah, bring it on. Whatever it was. That, uh, that's definitely the film. That the film. It's very it's very famous. The film, got really interested. They were at high school at the time. Got really interested in cheerleading, mm. and said to me uh, because. We, uh, as, as I recall, we, we just had dial-up internet at home. My Very, God! Yes, long time. Eighteen hundreds. See, yeah. See how? See how? You were the privileged one. Yeah. We just had dial-up internet at home. Said when you when you go into work, and this was at the BBC. Could you print off some stuff about cheerleading for me? <laughs> and of course, I put a search on cheerleading. Gosh, this was definitely Anna. Uh, well, I don't know which one it was, but anyway, they wanted to do a project on cheerleading, mm. and I uh, obviously went onto the computer at work put in cheerleading and got all sorts of pictures mm. yeah, which were you know not the sort of stuff a middle-aged man should be looking at <laughs> and it was just at that moment that the uh, the boss came oh around, god that's came so around, looked at my screen and there were all these cheerleaders <laughs> so in those days it yeah. wasn't something that was in any way respectable no but and i think it is very much now but, but you still rang... i don't know part of it just doesn't quite sit right I don't want to be doing a sport where the real reason you're doing it is to cheer on other people playing a sport. Mm, I know what you mean. There's a part of me that is like, yeah, absolutely, pole fitness sounds great fun, but I also don't want to... You're not signing up for it. I, I don't know. No, I, I probably won't, but also because I've got literally no hand-eye coordination or rhythm, so um, <laughs> that would be my main... <laughs> Just to pick up on something we talked about last week, which was the uh, Meghan Harry thing and the fact that uh, a lot of people were saying... It's already died down so much, don't you think? Yes, it has. Who cares, really? But, um, well, yes, people still do care because it's still in the newspapers all the time. Mm. But, uh, as you say, it's died down a wee bit from last week. But when we... A lot of people were saying it's racism that's driven them out. And my view was that this is not a specifically racist country. It's not a very racist country did you watch the um i think it was afua hirsch on the on the piers morgan thing yeah she's very uh, smart yeah she well yes. she she know what she says i know what she says and but, she's but, the, but also the way she was treated on if it was her i, I really hope it, it was, was. Afua hirsch, yeah it was. the way she was treated on the piers morgan well, I never saw any bad. of that. But what I did see was Question Time, and I saw uh, Lawrence Fox, who's started, who sort of re-energised this row, and he was uh, arguing with some woman in the audience who uh, was a lecturer in race studies or whatever. Mm. So she clearly had a very uh, specific point that it was racism, and he was um, he was a bit like me in that he wasn't it, all he had was his own general feeling that it that it wasn't racist and that this I isn't. Would be- Inclined to agree with someone who's a lecturer well, of course in race studies. Well, yes, you would, but uh, it doesn't mean that his view is any less valid. And he's he's got uh, um, he's got a hundred thousand new Twitter followers. I, as I a do. Result. I I would say that someone's view is more valid if they've dedicated their life to. Well, learning about their something. life, or maybe you know, if just you're a, finding if you're a, a little... If you're a lecturer in something, that means you've done, like, ten years plus 
of study into one aspect. Like, no, I'm not, no, no, no listen. No, it doesn't mean that at I'm, all. Yeah, it will. No, it means she's she, she probably got a, a degree in English or history or politics or one of those things. Yeah, but if she's then a lecturer means... in race studies, she'll have to do a master's and a PhD in race studies. I don't studies. even know if she is a lecturer in race studies. But she's okay, one of well, those, Rick... she's a race studies professional. She's a professional in that area. <laughs> and therefore, it's, if she, she, no, that, if she stands like, up that's not and says, but I just no think racism, that if you're a... her job's finished. No, but I'm just saying that if you are a lecturer in something, your point is more valid than someone with a general feeling. No, I think his point is quite valid. I think so you're he's, saying that... No, no not, not, not in this person. And not in this argument, he, but would you say that in any argument, that someone's point is not more valid if they're like a professor of something? No, I have to say... A professor in economics is not more valid than... Someone with a general feeling. So you're putting me into the sort of Brexit uh, category. We, we don't need experts anymore. Well, you know no, what I mean, I that's think, all. No, that's fair enough. But I think in this case, you know, in this particular argument, okay. he, he's perfectly entitled to express his opinion. But of course, obviously, oh, yeah. people piled in on him, mainly because he's posh. He's a posh actor. He's the son of either James Fox or Edward Fox, some well-known actor for movies in the 70s. I can, they were very I can understand. Yeah, they're, they're, they're posh. He's a posh guy. Um, and what did and he say? More or less the same as me. He said this is a lovely country. and whereas Lovely the, country for some people. It's a lovely, yeah, he, he said it's a lovely country and uh, he doesn't think that what Meghan and Harry are doing is uh, motivated by racism. It's probably motivated by all sorts of other things. But, you know, I, I definitely, no, I, I don't think what Meghan and Harry are doing is motivated by racism. I don't think they're, I think they're turning away from like royal service or whatever i don't think that's motivated by racism i'm saying that the backlash that they've had has racist undertones Mm. well we'll leave that argument because yeah yeah we've 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 covered it last week i wanted to speak more about poshness and the prejudice against poshness. Oh, those posh people. I like posh people. I used to have uh, an old Etonian who read the news on my uh, radio show, and we had great fun. No, there's absolutely nothing wrong with posh people, but posh people not accepting their... Pri- like, not recognising their privilege is... Yeah, but then, then what we're saying is, is posh people like Lawrence Fox haven't got a right to talk about anything. No, no, I don't, I don't they're, think they're, that. She used the we've phrase... Got a, we've got an Etonian in... In power, yeah, but she we've the had phrase, two in the past. Well, we've like, had loads and yeah, loads. I know, but like, like the living Winston, memory. Winston Churchill, you know, we had an old Etonian who yes, uh, but, won the Second World War. Well, but even the the past three prime ministers, two have been ex Bullingdon Club members. I don't think the I don't think posh people are doing having that many problems in expressing their viewpoints. Mm, no, you're right, but. Just to move it away from whether they can express their opinions, this is an interview with uh, Edward Kemp, who's the director of the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art, RADA, and uh, it probably actually supports your view that you weren't going to carry on with your uh, acting career, because as we've mentioned on the podcast before, you were in uh, plays when you were younger. True. Um, uh, because with your Leeds accent, according to this, you'd have absolutely no chance. No hope. Uh, what does he say? Well, what he's saying is... Uh, this criticism that the British film industry is stuffed with posh, privately educated actors. Um, he's saying, he's actually defending this to some extent. He's saying that the Downton Abbey effect, because Downton Abbey has been so popular selling it to other countries, mm. because of that effect, it means that many of uh, Britain's upper crust actors are simply writing.
lighter for some roles than other less he well healed ones. So in other words, a lot of the roles being suggested for British actors, if you mm. like, and there's things like The Crown as well. Yeah, you just have to have that voice. You've just got to be... And it's it's much easier to find someone with that voice than to get someone to... Yeah. So, like, Claire Foy, she's Mancunian, and she played the, the Queen in The Crown, but doesn't have barely a Mancunian accent at all. Mm. And so then it's like... Yeah, you, you should... Oh, she's, you know, she's a regional actor, but... Not really. She doesn't sound like uh, Liam Gallagher, then. She doesn't sound like Liam Gallagher. No. I think it's massively sad that there's not more mm. parts of regional actors. But then also, then you have this thing of, like, the things that regional actors are actually in are stuff like Casualty and obviously, like, Emmerdale. And um, I kind of count would count, like, way, Coronation just, Street, because yeah. that's, like, sort of a, a more regional accent or whatever. But then you get this reputation for those kind of actors not being as good because they're like soap opera actors, but unfortunately those are the parts well, Also, actors, it's almost they? like an, an acting apartheid. It's, mm. You know, uh, uh, black people often used to complain that you only ever saw black people in dramas if it was a problem, you know, if it was a yeah, problem yeah, with yeah. racism or a problem with drugs or Which a problem with all Which is still this a massive problem. You know, you don't really have very many films where it's not a story about being black you know what i mean like mm. rather than well it's the same with work because in the in the 60s because a lot of films were made then that were about the problems of the working classes you know i'm thinking like a kind of love this sporting and, life and this sporting life and in, a, in a way educating um, rita educating rita was another one and there was a film alfie of course where it was all cockney accents and yeah, yeah yeah so if you had a cockney accent or a northern accent you were great there were loads and loads of movies mm. and it just seems i don't know whether it's richard curtis's fault or whatever but it's seems there's a certain type of British film yeah. that... I'll, I'll read I feel, yeah, I feel like when they put Northern actors and stuff, the story is, like, specifically Northern. It's about mining towns, or it's about, made, you know, made in Dagenham or whatever. But, like, it would be nice to see more regional accents in just normal films. Anyway, I'll tell you what Edward Kemp uh, of Rada said. He said, A lot of the British films that are successful on that international scale purvey a particular view of the UK, and of England particularly, that tends towards the middle class and upper middle class, uh, in which case actors who come from that background are more likely to get the parts. The Crown, he well, said... pretty middle class, so, you know, it's not... <laughs> I know, but it's the accent. The Crown, um, made for an international Netflix audience, cast privately educated actors as the Queen, Prince Philip, Princess Margaret... And Prince Charles. Uh, the only exception is Erin Doherty, who plays Princess Anne, who said she spent most of her childhood happily hanging around in Croydon wearing a tracksuit. <laughs> and it's the same with his dark materials, Will Keane. I've, I've not watched that. Well, you're not watching TV, are you? Which Barely. Is, which is good. Benedict Cumberbatch, who attended £13,000, £925 a term Harrow School. Wow. Um, has is that, so the three, is there three terms? So it's like... 39, 40 grand about a year. 40 grand a year, yeah. Bloody hell. Has complained about class typing in the film industry. Being a posh actor in England, uh, you can't escape class typing from whatever side you look at it. Uh, and I recently saw Benedict Cumberbatch in 1917, which you must Oh, I really want to see that, yeah. fantastic. But I saw Benedict Cumberbatch, where, interestingly, we played an officer, <laughs> obviously. And Lawrence Fox, as I say, is getting a yeah. lot of heat for being posh. Which I think it is, is a shame. It's uh, like a shame that you can't play. I think Edward Kemp is, is absolutely right, though. It's just it's a trend. What goes around mm. comes around. In the sixties, the trend was for you know Alan Bates. What, and what is the name of those those types of films? <laughs> oh, kitchen sink. Kitchen sink. Kitchen sink dramas. Yeah. Yeah. They'll probably come back around, but I think in um, in terms of theatre 
at the moment there's quite a trend of gritty mm. theatre or whatever. So well, yes, and, and Maxine Peake is playing all the parts. Yes, <laughs> that that's the, that is the other thing is they find one actor and they're like it's like Jodie Comer. She's been cast in loads of stuff. She's so Liverpool, so Scouse or whatever, and not classically trained or whatever. And now she'll just be putting absolutely everything. So they just decide which regional actor they want. Bit of music? Yes, absolutely. Let's start with yours. I rather like yours this week. Yeah, I know. You even told me you liked it before when I messaged you it. Mm. It was quite exciting. It was. It's a nice tune. Let's play it. Baby really hurt me, crying in the taxi. He don't want to know me, says he made the big mistake of dancing in my store. Says it was poison. So I guess I'll go home into the arms of the girl that I love. The only love I haven't screwed up. She's so hard to please, but she's a forest fire. I do my best to meet her. Well, that's Lord and uh, Liability. That was Lord and Liability. Um... <laughs> I tell you what I like about it. It's it's like a rap, isn't it? It's, it? You could imagine that as a rap as opposed to uh, a song. What do you mean? What I mean is the uh, rhyme sequence is very similar to uh, what rappers do. Hmm. Anyway, so I'll tell you a bit about Lord. Um, she's born... Ella Yellick O'Connor in uh, 1996 in Takapuna, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. I made the mistake saying she was American earlier, but she's not. She's from New Zealand. She was very young. She said, you probably have heard of her song Royals, which was her most famous mm-hmm. one. Um, and she released the full album in 2000, the album that has Royals on it, in 2013 when she was... Or like seventeen or something, but she wrote a lot of the songs when she's like fifteen, so she's a bit of a um what is the word? Not a child genius. Um, prodigy. Um yeah, so she's a bit of a prodigy. Um but this is from her album Melodrama, which came out in two thousand seventeen. And so I'm quite late to the party, however, but I just started listening to the whole album over uh Christmas and it's so brilliant, mm. like really quite wonderful and brilliant from a, from a young age so she was yeah. uh, 16 when she first broke through yeah yeah i think she was about 15 when she sat, like first broke through with some stuff and then 16 17 when she had her first big hit album and stuff and hit song hmm. yeah so one of my favorite comedians is a guy called george miller who does a gag where he says his mum was always trying to demean him she said to me one day mozart wrote his first symphony at the age of 17 he says at the age of 17 i was in mcdonald's do you want lids on those <laughs> uh, i love him well let's play mine now yours from somebody very young uh, mine's from somebody quite old quite uh, dead probably no still with us i'm delighted and thrilled to say don't Recognise the voice? 
Yeah, but I couldn't tell you who it is. Really? Um, it's Paul McCartney. Yeah, that's what I thought, but I didn't want to say it and sound stupid. No, it is Paul McCartney. Uh, and the reason I played that is uh, somebody put on Twitter, that's called Goodnight Tonight, and it was made by uh, Wings, Paul McCartney's band, after the Beatles, uh, in 1979. And the reason uh, I played that is that somebody put on Twitter, if Paul McCartney had never been in the Beatles, we'd still remember him for songs like uh, like that. And I just thought it's so true. There are so many good songs that, uh, that, that, Wings, that did. Wings did. That's ridiculous, uh, though, because well, yes, how could you ever think... Oh, Paul McCartney, very good in wings. <laughs> <laughs> but he was. It's so good. And what everybody... The thing about Paul McCartney is obviously he played bass guitar in The Beatles. And uh, that particular song, Good Night Tonight, everybody goes on about the uh, the bass track in it. And it is really, really very funky. And you would never think Paul McCartney as, uh, as a funky artiste. Uh, and Linda McCartney's on that as well. If you look at the... Uh, it's quite moving, really, because you look at the... She sang harmony with, uh, with wings. A lot a lot of she had a bad reputation as not being a great singer but she's she's pretty good on that and um i just thought it'd be good to uh, to fish that out especially because our friend matt who you know oversees what we do here on the on the podcast what we do here <clears throat> yeah he's overseeing it tells me this week because you were talking about uh, not being vegan last week we talked about why you'd sort of not become vegan one because your mum brought you a big block of cheese so it would have been a bit of a waste and guess what else i've just bought today well, well we'll talk about that in a sec but also that you got in drunk and had some fish fingers yeah and, and i thought you know what's the point now what's the point uh, matt tells me you can now get linda mccartney fish fingers yeah so uh well, so that's i could i could do it again i could do february yeah, the Fuebury. The Fuebury, yeah. It's not so, quite as catchy, yeah, is it? Not really. Mm. Should we read some uh, emails? Yeah, let's. Okay, Stuart Payne says, uh, Hi, Ruthie and Martin. Love the podcast. Thanks hi, Stuart. For, yeah, hi, Stuart. Thanks for doing it. Oh, and she, he also uh, likes reading my uh, tweets about my train travel. He says, I, I'm a York grad. And oh. it's lovely being reminded of my time there, hearing uh, Ruthie's experience at York. A question for Ruthie. You must. Sh- <laughs> you might disagree with this. This is his question for you. He says you must surely be becoming a bit of an on-campus celeb. Oh my do, God! Do people, Absolutely not. Do people make the connection? Well, you have got a few people that listen, haven't you? Yeah, you but know, only maybe. like my actual close friends. Like right. no one else. I wonder if there's somebody. There was else? one person who messaged me over the Christmas holidays and said, "Is oh. this you?" Because their like dad's friend or something had said oh, oh this girl who goes to your uni or whatever that is literally the only time that has ever happened to me the whole in years mm. well not years but okay well he says also no, just no no i wish <laughs> oh, fair enough. Well, i'm sure you will become more and more famous <laughs> i'm sure you will oh i don't know about um, that i don't think i like that uh, well he says you can you don't just want to be too famous you don't want to be as famous as billy Eilish or anything like that but if you're just a you little know what? bit famous I'm, it's quite when good. i lay in bed at work and i'm thinking about all the things i'm worried about being as famous as Billie Eilish is not my number one w- worry. Isn't it? It's not your ambition to become as famous as Billie Eilish. It's definitely not my ambition, but I, it also doesn't give me sleepless nights. No, good. Anyway, he says, also, just to say, of all the massive charms of York, he says, I'm really jealous. I miss it loads. Is the Browns sausage sandwich best in the world? But of course... I don't uh, know. I don't even, I've never even heard anyone speak of that, so... Yeah, well, ask around. I have to ask around, Browns, yeah, Browns, if it's still going. And he really enjoys the 
podcast, so that's good. Richard Alban wrote uh, and says, Martin, when asking Ruthie about different terms used by today's youth, remember we were doing youth slang last week, mm-hmm. I was disappointed you didn't ask if they still <laughs> if they still said chuffing Nora. Uh, chuffing Nora <laughs> no. is a Sheffield expression. Uh, older people in Sheffield will, will say chuffing Nora, but I can't imagine anybody under the age of about 50 saying chuffing Nora. Anyway. I don't think so. No, there you go. That's your answer to that, Richard. Steve Hurst says, Ruthie is right. Ex- Brilliant. End of end of email. <laughs> Exclamation point. Uh, I'm 60 years old and I can see the vitriol thrown against Meghan Markle is based on her ethnicity. Piers Morgan, Jean Moore, don't know her, uh, Katie Hopkins need calling out for the scum that they are, he says. Uh, and Ruthie, I do think Katie Hopkins is scum. Mm, uh, Ruthie, if you're uh, sexually assaulted on campus, God forbid, surely your first call should be the police and not a campus hotline. This is the other thing we were talking about last week. Yeah, I, I, I understand where he's coming from. And like one of the things is like they would often catch more, especially like rapists, if people went to the police straight away because they they've got kits where they can take from under your nails and photograph you and stuff but then like it's also the the, i think one of the problems with that crime is it's an emotional thing as well isn't it and personally i think if it did ever happen to me the first thing i would want to do is not be photographed by the police and and recount the whole thing so you need to ring both really yeah you want yeah you need to ring both and then they could refer you to the police and support you through that or whatever but I wouldn't want to be speaking to the police Straight right away, away like that. Mm. I don't think I would. I don't know. You don't I, know, I, I, do you? And you wouldn't you know never, until you know, and hopefully you never, never will, will yeah. yeah. But I think it is one of those things where, like, yes, the most pragmatic and sensible thing to do in order to catch a person would be to speak to the police, but that really what you're going to want mm. in that situation i'm not sure okay uh, andrew hewison says hi martin ruth i just wanted to express how happy it made me to come across your podcast on talk radio so he's hearing the bits mm. in the middle of the night he says i've lived in dubai for the past few four years sorry for the past few years and as you can imagine i sometimes miss home which is whitby have you been to oh, whitby? yeah I've, I've been to whitby only, I, only a couple of times been. i went you've never been no they never took ever. us when we were in primary school it was a great oh. day out got mm. fish and chips Excellent. So a few months back, I came across your show at the weekend when I was getting up four hours different. So he was actually um, ahead of us and was getting up uh, with the breakfast show there in Dubai. I immediately thought to myself, I recognise that voice. He used to listen to me years and years ago. It's comforting and reassuring to listen to you. Now I'm into your podcast with Ruth. I'll always listen to it. One more listener. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, always is it. Ruth really reminds me of my niece who's similar age and has the same interesting political views. Ruth, uh, I love listening to you, but tend to respectfully disagree with some <laughs> of your views on life. Um, you're very single minded, which is great, but be careful not to become blinded by your far left and oh, inexperienced views. I don't think I'm that single minded. Oh, I don't think you're upset that far about left. that. I wouldn't have called you far left at all. I'm pretty really. left, but I'm not, left, but... I'm not as left as some people my age. No, and you, 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 if you weren't left when you were at university, I'd be shocked, really. Yeah. I mean, if you I'm not left, quite as radical as a lot of people, I think. No. Especially in like, terms of like feminism and stuff mm. like that. But you, you come across people with, uh, I mean, most of the... A lot, there's a lot of conservatives really? at uni, yeah. Really? That, that's mm-hmm. The Tory society's really big. Really? They were all out in tuxedos the other night. It was quite cringy. <laughs> Why were they out in tuxedos? It was that's their, what, like, formal night or whatever, but... Right. 
that uh, um, I've not got the great stories because to be honest my course is quite everyone's fairly normal and stuff because it's that kind yeah. of course but the people who do I've got a friend who does politics she told the best story um, they had to do this thing I'm stealing her story completely but, oh, good, really, good, good. but so she I can't remember it entirely but she said that they had to do this thing where they were discussing what makes a great speaker in politics and stuff and they had to like discussing partners and then the seminar leader was like walking around and speaking to them and stuff and so um he goes um so uh actually i think a great example of a wonderful orator is a rory stewart who i i actually had the pleasure of meeting and you're like or imagine saying something like that. Yes, who I had the pleasure of meeting in the summer. And I, I just thought he had a really brilliant way, an engaging way of speaking with people. Uh, another one who I really like, who I've not yet met, is a Michael Gove or whatever. And he, so he's saying that. And then the seminar leader comes over and they're like, what are you speaking about or whatever? And he says, well, uh, Rory Stewart, who I had the pleasure of meeting, I think is a great example of an orator. And then the seminar leader just goes, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure whether he is that great of a speaker and also I guess he just cares a little bit less about poor people than the rest of us and then just leaves which I think is brilliant from the seminar leader but yeah there are quite a lot of people who are mm. quite right just whatever you are probably at uni you're quite like an exaggerated version of it yeah probably than you will be in 20-30 yeah. years I guess. Did you Leeds accent because when you were putting on a posh accent there it just doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound right no. I can't even do it really no it's good Good. Uh, anyway, that's and, uh, Andrew uh, Hewison, bless him, who's listening in Dubai. I hope he- I'm not offend anyone if you do like Rory Stewart. And uh, that's the news. If you do want to uh, email us, it's Martin and Ruth Podcast at gmail.com. Yes, that's Martin and Ruth Podcast, all one word, at gmail.com. It certainly is. It's Martin and Ruth Podcast. Oh my gosh. No, I'm not going to do it again. No. We were playing University of York Monopoly the other day. Ah, yes. Very nerdy. We'd been out a hell of a lot last week and done a lot of drinking. I think everyone very much needed a playing Monopoly kind of night. Um, and so we didn't have it. So we went and bought it and it's just an absolutely normal Monopoly apart from everything's like different things on campus and the campus cafes and the library and whatever that you can buy. And then... Um, the community chances and chess are all uh, university themes. So there's stuff like you volunteer at an open day, collect £10 or your student loan matures, like, collect £100. And then on the properties, instead of houses and hotels, it's seminar rooms and lecture theatres, stuff like that. Very, quite cringy, but it's quite good. Yeah, I'm not um, a fan of themed Monopoly. I much prefer the classic Monopoly, to yeah, be honest. so do I. Why Did you ever play um, Monopoly with cards, though? That was quite fun. I played it at a friend's house once, ah, um, like debit cards, and then you actually yeah. have to put the put your pin number in. Uh, we, we talked about that, I think, and didn't stuff. we? The, yeah, yeah. When we were talking about Con- a ca- yeah. cashless society. Cashless society. Yeah, so it's cashless monopoly. Cashless monopoly, yeah. yeah. But anyway, it was quite fun. Well, it's interesting you say that, Ruth, because uh, there's feminist monopoly. Feminist monopoly? Feminist monopoly. I didn't realise that there was anything inherently unfeminist about classic no, monopoly. See, obviously uh, behind the times. Monopoly has always been a game that encapsulates best the fact that life is not fair. Regardless of tactics, whoever is lucky enough to land on Mayfair or Park Lane uh, usually wins. That was an interesting point. What, what, was, I don't what think were the equivalents so. of Mayfair and Park Lane? Um, King's Manor, which is the building which is in town that archaeology gets taught at, and Heslington Hall, which is the one, the, the old building that you graduate at. 
Right. Um, anyway, it says here you, you're not agreeing with the, whoever lands on Mayfair Park Lane usually wins. No, it, dep- it just depends. I think if you land on them really early and, and you've still set. got a lot of money and you've got the set, then that can be good. But personally, I think the oranges are brilliant. Me too. Yeah, I think you want to go for the uh, Vine Street set and the Four Stations, is what I say. In um, University of York Monopoly, they are for campus eateries. <laughs> Anyway, a new version of this most divisive board game offers certain players a corrective to one of life's bigger injustices, the gender pay gap. <laughs> Ms. Monopoly, it's called, it's known as Ms. Monopoly. I always imagine the Monopoly man as kind of genderless. Well, me too. Ms. Monopoly provides female competitors with a bigger starting cash pile. <laughs> That's ridiculous. And more money for passing go. According to the manufacturers, Hasbro, Ms. Monopoly is the first game to recognise and celebrate the many contributions women have made to our society. The cover features a female entrepreneur holding a coffee cup uh, emblazoned with boss. God, it's so patronising. The most sought-after real estate spots on the board, formerly known as Park Lane and Mayfair, have been rebranded as Stem Cell Isolation and Chocolate Chip Cookies. The cookies were invented by Ruth Wakefield in 1930. Oh, my God! Yeah, one of our own. own. The cookies were invented by Ruth Wakefield in 1930. Is that not the best... Sorry, I literally cannot focus about... I can't even think about feminism, because is that not the best name you've ever heard? Ruth Wakefield. I also... um, One of my friends was telling me a story. They went to Italy over the um, Christmas. You are Ruth Wakefield. (laughs) I am Ruth Wakefield. Uh, I invented the chocolate chip cookie. There was... I do really like them as well. Wow. Mm. Uh, Anyways, she went... Uh, to Italy and she like had messaged me because or or told me when she got back she's like I couldn't wait to tell you because you know how I go on about how I'm from Leeds Mm. literally all the time yeah yeah and she um famous for it in Italy there was a like a maid or something and her name was Leeds (laughs) and what a brilliant name anyway the cookies were invented by Ruth Wakefield in 1930 while Anne Tsukamoto has received patents for her work with stem cells which has revolutionized uh, cancer treatment so those are the two prime properties there. Uh, the biggest playing advantage comes from the bank, with 1,900 given to female players at the beginning, compared with 1,500 for men. It's just stupid. It is stupid. It's, it's patronising, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's, it's, it puts women back. I hate stuff like that as well. Like, I hate when it's like they make stuff that like pandas to fe- to women. Yeah. It just really annoys me. Well, I'm glad you agree with me because I uh, take that view on the BBC and uh, the fact that somebody who's doing roughly the same job as you probably... Have you been following this case? I don't mm, suppose you have, no, actually. No, it wouldn't concern you. Um, there's a Samira Ahmed, who you've probably seen. On, I think yeah, she, I, I did hear... Yeah, I have heard of her. Yeah, she was in a reality show or something. I think she oh, may have been in the, an apprentice... Yes, winner, she... Possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know, I have better. seen the story floating around. I haven't read up on it, though. No, it's nothing much to read up on. I mean, basically, uh, she was doing a show where she read out uh, the letters people have complained about the BBC uh, it was a perfectly decent show but it was not a very high profile it was on a sort of early Saturday morning I used to watch yeah. it occasionally uh, and people would complain about the way the BBC had handled certain news stories she would bring in the news editor of the BBC and hold them to account that oh. was basically the programme uh, good, good very, idea for a programme yeah. yeah she did it very well uh, but it was never a, a never a sort of mass entertainment programme mm. and she was makes being, sense it's not no, it's not precisely. something everyone's like 
Oh, news editors, you precisely, know. Precisely, precisely. It's niche. And she got about 400 quid for doing that, which seemed to me to be, you know, worth 400 quid was of anybody's money. It was a decent show. Mm. But uh, Jeremy Vine, who of course is well known and is uh, a man, as you'll have noticed, <laughs> he uh, was doing a, a sort of similar show, but it was more entertainment based and it was on a more sort of entertainment time. And he's quite famous. Uh, and he was being paid something like 10 times as much as she was. He doesn't deserve uh, that amount of money, but not because she gets that. No. You know what and, I mean? And she's now uh, claiming some uh, fee like, uh, you know, which fair dues. She's been advised by somebody and she's claiming a back payment of £700,000. Oh my God. Which is uh, patently ridiculous. And to me, when it goes to the tribunal, I mean, it's been to the tribunal, the BBC should just send someone in there like the laughing policeman or one of those. Uh, one well, of I don't those, know about that. One of those dolls that laughs that you see. You shouldn't at the laugh seaside. at someone. Well, it's, well not, not laughing at her, it's just laughing at the whole concept that in the entertainment industry you can you, you Jeremy Vine probably is not worth no, four grand. Um, definitely not worth uh, ten times more than she gets or it might even be twenty times more. But anyway, mm. the whole case is ridiculous. But I'm glad you agree with me. On the monopoly. Of, on the monopoly. Yeah. But on terms that that's not really the way to go no, to, I don't think to so. achieve equality. There's bigger fish to fry. Right. Would you like a your fashion? While you're looking for your fashion, did you uh, read the story that uh, they're thinking of moving the House of Lords to your? Yes, I did. There was a lot of funny, like, memes and stuff, oh, like, like, tweets and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I've, got, I've got a couple... I've got three things, Dad, for you. I've got a your fashion, a tweet, and a your crush. Oh! I'm... So I'll start with the your crush, because I think it's the worst one. So, Kay... Um, you disappointed me last term, but for some reason I can't stop thinking about you. I'm willing to stand outside in the cold for an hour and a half just to see you a few times a week. You take all my money, but can't wait for you tonight. <laughs> I presume he's playing some sport. That's why she's standing out in the cold for an hour and a half. Mm, no, I think they're standing outside a bus stop or something. Well, it's an hour and a half. It's a very specific time and it's the exact... Yeah, mate, oh, you, because I read it as a boy sending one to a girl, but maybe you're right, maybe it's a girl sending one to a boy and they're watching. Yeah. It's just the letter care. You take all it? my money, though. Yeah, it's just the letter care. So, yeah. mystery. I think she's... I think he's a uh, football... I think he's a, uh, a he, jock of Oh, he... It, but then the you take all my money thing more sounds like it's a boy writing one to a girl. Mm, possibly. Anyway... Uh, this is the your fashion. So, shout out to everyone who played D and B in Langwith, one of the colleges. What's D and B? Drum and bass. Oh, drum and bass. Yeah, D and B in Langwith. Am I supposed to know D and B? Yeah. <laughs> drum and bass. Yeah, that, I, well, let me double check that. That definitely is what it means. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Uh, uh, to me, it sounded like a like a store, like H and M or M and S. No, no, D and B. Drum and bass. Yeah, I know B and B. Bed and breakfast. <laughs> right, so it says, Shout out to everyone who played D&B in Langworth, one of the colleges, until like 2am last night. Nothing better conveys the image of youthful partying spirit than playing the same terrible song on repeat on a bench outside your kitchen on a <laughs> Tuesday morning. Very good. Uh, and then finally, this is a tweet that I thought was really funny. How to save money at uni, a thread, colon, and then you have to click to expand more, and it just says, die. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it's, it's fairly accurate. Yes, absolutely. It's really the only way to really save money, isn't it? It is. It's absolutely. And uh, Woody Allen, uh, and you know how much I admire Woody Allen, he said, uh, 
death can be very distressing, but it's a very good way of cutting down on your expenses. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. Uh, and on you, that cheery note. On that cheery note, uh, if you do want to get in touch with us, I'll just do it one more time. It's Martin, because it does help us when you, you know, we get feedback on what we're doing. It's martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Martin and Ruth podcast at gmail.com and if you do want to listen to our song choices from this week in full then go over to Spotify and type in Ruthie you need dad and me or Ruthie me and my dad or Ruthie and Martin and Martin and Ruth podcast or something and you will find the Spotify playlist with um, this week's songs and uh, all the other songs from all the other weeks <laughs> <laughs>